0: Broke our brains. So we're just watching movies now. Hello and welcome to Angry Little Goats. I'm Eliza Skinner.
1: I'm Will Weldon. You know, I I I I wasn't sure. We because, you know, we we said we were good to start recording and then we sort of oh, went boy. off. We went off on this other thing about uh the, the quality of our microphones. Um and I I'm recording in a very small room. So if you've had issues with my audio, I don't know what to tell you. Um Uh, My my wife is trying to work in the living room.
0: (laughs) Mine is bad because my laptop is dying. So like this fan is just constantly on. I've had to like try to precariously push it away from me while getting the mic closer to me. And I should buy a new laptop, but the cat just had to go back to the vet. And he's basically, you know, this is his last, last Christmas for sure. Um, and he also had to get this special medication that I have to give him an injection of and it costs so much. He gets two injections, but the whole amount cost $250. And I, I, I gave him one last night and he was like running away from me. And I'm like, this is, this is $125 in this syringe. You can't, I, I get it, but this is, so basically we're, we're trapped up against a lot we're trapped
1: uh in these lives we've made for ourselves um also it's very hard to catch a cat especially like uh oh god my hair's dirty especially like an old bony one um that was still slippery <laughs> How did
0: you in know the know he's so old and bone I've, he is old and
1: I've bone. seen him and I know I know you've been talking yeah. about him the whole time I've known you uh yeah. but um it, that was just me Um, You know, sometimes I'm like, uh, I'm like, should we should we do that old school podcast thing sometimes of where it just fades in while we're talking in the middle of a conversation? Um, Um,
0: I think only if you I only like that kind of stuff. If you uh, if you do the same thing as like like the janitor at the beginning of a play on stage where they're sweeping and then they turn to the audience and go, oh, I didn't see you there. (laughs) I guess you've come to see the story that we'll be telling you. Well, (laughs) it started in a little town called Poughkeepsie. And then the lights fully come up on the stage. You know?
1: Well, that actually sounds uh, just like another form of introduction. <laughs> another kind of <laughs> formal introduction where well, yeah, the janitor but, but, is there and formally introduces the show well, to the I, crowd. Well, and I'm saying that like,
0: if we were talking and then it came up and then we went like, oh, hello, audience. We were talking to each other. We didn't see you there.
1: Oh, we didn't see you there. We were because just- Because we never do. We were just talking about the best ways to abuse prescription medication. Hi, I'm Eliza Skinner,
0: and I'm Will Weldon.
1: Um, but anyway, that's a conversation we could have had off mic. But look, it's it's you know I believe in radical transparency. I don't at all, like a um, ghost. Uh oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs>
0: that
1: uh, not. I don't think ghosts are radically trans. I mean. <laughs>
0: So if they're cool, they are. So so if Hold you're going, on, my dog is on the mic now. Uh,
1: oh, I thought that Aristotle was laughing for a second. I should have known it was just your dog uh, uh, slobbering into the microphone. Yeah, you uh, see,
0: it's an hour and a half before dinner, so it's dinner time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I think I guess I guess by human standards, a ghost is radically transparent. But I think by the standards of transparency a ghost is actually midway transparent. I think that
0: depends on the ghost and or the too. production design of the ghost movie.
1: Uh, that's true, too. It, it has to be a ghost movie or TV show or even play because neither of us uh, believe in ghosts in real life.
0: Yeah. And
1: I will go to my grave and the afterlife thinking that. Uh, Aristotle, you will I?
0: come back and haunt us. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, pay no attention to me. I hate admitting I was wrong. I don't exist. Am I uh, blowing out the mic or anything, Aristotle?
0: Am I blowing up the mic? Yeah, yeah, with all of these rhymes. Everyone wants to hear them every single time. The way that I do my history raps. Who wants to hear about all of that? See, in 1492, you know.
1: Aristotle, I would like confirmation on whether or not I'm (laughs) blowing out my microphone or not. And now we can return, and it turns out I was probably blowing out my sound, so I apologize for that.
0: Also probably blowing up the bathroom, you know, um, <laughs> yes. with your stinky takes.
1: Yeah, I. oh, I see. I thought you were saying I was having diarrhea as I recorded the podcast. Well, I mean,
0: I, I, none of it made sense. Now,
1: is there... <laughs> do you think there is... At least one podcast that is recorded exclusively while the person hosting it is taking a shit.
0: The Dumpcast.
1: I was gonna say Shitcast. The Dumpcast is like they're like rivals. One is the like one of them is like you don't need cursing to succeed in this business. They're Wait, like no, the but queen. the Dumpcast is real. What is the, the dump cast is not real. Yeah, it is. No, I've never been less convinced of Do you know, do you know Tim somebody... Propley
0: from from New York? He's Tim, prop, Tim Propley. Yeah, he's a, he's a Tim. prop comic.
1: Yeah, Tim, oh. He
0: does the dump cast. He used to do Shit Town. He was part of the whole Shit Town crew. And then wow. he broke off because they decided to be extremist in different directions. Did, so... did, Tim, did
1: Tim Propley feel faded into his destiny of being a prop comic due to his last name? I
0: think he changed his name.
1: Oh, okay. So it's not like his, four, he came from like a long an, line of Eastern European prop comics, and that was the name they no, were given at no, Ellis uh, Island or something? Uh, I
0: mean, he, he was a propinski um, before he... <laughs> that's what he changed it from. Okay. Um, But yeah.
1: Um. Now, I don't do improv, so I refuse to go along with the dump cast being a real thing. I mean, you
0: have done d- improv, but you don't do it. Um, Correct. So we watched another movie! Suggested uh, by you en masse. You oh, all got together, and you decided to get us this for our birthday.
1: So I did. Fuck. You know I prepared everything except I forgot to forgot to do this. So we did. There was uh uh. So I guess the I suppose the runner up uh notifications were on Twitter from what the hell sorry I'm just checking my mentions You Um. have to
0: stop threatening celebrities on Twitter on our account, by the way.
1: No, it says in our bio, it specifically says, this is run by Will, don't bother Eliza. Yeah,
0: but it still looks like I approve of it.
1: I'll add that in the bio. Eliza specifically (laughs) does not, neither approves nor disapproves. This has nothing to do with her. Yeah,
0: hardly even follows this account.
1: Yes. Um, Is unaware
0: of what I am doing to take her career. Put all of that in.
1: Yeah, I make a point to never like one of your tweets so that nobody will be like, oh, she's having her own podcast, like her tweets. (laughs) Um, Oh, I thought
0: that it was just because you didn't like my tweets. The old reason.
1: Uh, So, uh, at Little Frog, uh, uh, recommended A Field in England, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, which they described as unsettling folk whore. Uh, uh, Old friend of the show, and uh, I suppose friend of mine personally, uh, Aldrin Cornejo, recommended The Gate. Uh, But in the end, we went with the first recommendation we got. Because I was worried it would be the only one we would get, so I was like, "Let's just do this one." But uh, Dan Angler uh, recommended uh, Aniara, and the other thing he recommended that we went with was Ravenous. 1999's Ravenous.
0: And what a recommendation! All of them were, but especially Ravenous. Had have you had you seen Ravenous before this? No. So I actually um, I had. <laughs> oh, oh, I had seen it already.
1: <laughs> this wow. Well, that's so fascinating because while I was watching it, I was like, well, there's no way Eliza's seen this before. I guess it has become like a cult, but it was something I really, this and Brotherhood of the Wolf, I think, came out around the same time in both of those movies as like a 14-year-old. I was like, damn, those look cool as hell. I got to see those. Never saw either one of them, ever.
0: Oh, I don't remember it coming out. I I um, I um watched it a few years ago. I think maybe somebody had recommended it again, but every now and then I go, I, I get back into a, um, a vampire phase. Mm-hmm. I fucking love vampire media, all of it. Though from the worst to the best, there is no vampire media I don't like. And I will say before we even really get into this, mm-hmm. I do count this as a vampire movie. So, Technically, it's cannibals.
1: Do you, go ahead. Are you? Do you know? Um, do you know uh, what uh, Roger Ebert said about uh, said about this movie? I think no, he gave it three out of four stars, and he said, "Okay,
0: that's a little homophobic." But go ahead.
1: Um, I don't understand that joke.
0: <laughs> well, clearly you're not up with queer talks take on this movie. Um, anyway, go ahead.
1: Oh, is, do is it, has it also become a queer movie?
0: It, well, no, here's the thing. And this is why there's lots
1: of stuff to talk about around this movie. Yes. As well, like the production and stuff. But sorry, yes. First of all,
0: tell tell me tell me what Roger Ebert said. So
1: Roger Ebert, uh, God damn it, where is this fucking I forgot to pull okay. Um uh is I mean most of his stuff
0: with Chicago Tribune, if that helps. He said
1: it's clever in the way it avoids most of the cliches of the vampire movie by using cannibalism, and most of the cliches of the cannibal movie by using vampirism.
0: Uh yes. And it it sticks the the uh, the folklore of the Wenigo right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. um, but the reason I I would consider this part of the the vampire oeuvre um, is the horniness, um, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things about vampires, and that's also what got it on, what got like horny TikToks made of it. Did you get the one that I sent you? I sent you one.
1: Oh no, I completely missed that you sent me one.
0: Uh, I sent it as a video, not as a link to TikTok. Um,
1: yeah, I have TikTok. You can just send the. Know, if anyone should, is I curious, you that can that just afterwards. send me TikTok links. I do have it. I use TikTok mainly to try to uh, start uh, human trafficking panics. Uh, it's so funny, by the way, that you panics. do that,
0: because I had wanted to be doing that. And I kept being like, I should do that bit. And then I saw you doing it and was like, well, Will's beating me to it. Yeah, I, I, d- I just love all those videos of women being like, I was just buying Band-Aids and there was a man there. I think I'm being trafficked. Like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah or like ladies if somebody leaves a diaper under your truck they're waiting for you to pick the diaper up so they can cut your achilles tendon stuff you in the back of a car and drive away and it's like or like someone you love and care about will betray your trust and slowly break you down until you just do whatever they want or like the real genuine form of human trafficking that encompasses 99.99 percent of human trafficking yeah
0: um Um, so yeah uh there's a lot of like um like so, the, okay. The, one of the things that I love about vampire movies in general is that they are monsters that are that are humans. Like they're one of the only human monster. Um, it's not a deranged human, like a, uh, a zombie or a werewolf or something like that. It's it's a vampire is a human, but just the worst version of us and yes. the most um, selfish and manipulative. And there is a lot of manipulation in this and. And like seduction, it's not I'm seducing you into fucking me. It's I'm seducing you into being crossing over at, to being a cannibal vampire wendigo like me. So, yeah, it counts. Um, and it's popular on TikTok. It's women on what I have found so far in my light TikTok uh, uh, searching for it it's those um, those horny like fan videos where they put shots of different people from you know a movie or whatever a band mm-hmm. uh, across from each other and then sort of like blow it out and slow-mo it um, it's a lot of those from women from women couple of dudes a couple of dudes being like it's a cool movie I love it it's a lot of women making those horny fan videos from across the sexual spectrum like it'll be the <laughs> book talk horny moms and it'll be like the the queer social commentary lesbians and everybody in between but it's but women especially are like yeah let's see these <laughs> these dying uh, 19th century soldiers really almost eat each other's livers. And it's,
1: it's, it's, there's no, speci- it's not like people are like specifically hot for like Jeremy Davies and his uh, terrible uh, curly hair. It's like across the spectrum no, of characters. No, it's usually
0: not him. The one that I sent you, because I was like, why this one? Um, was, uh, who's, who's the guy? The, uh, the German club kid soldier? The guy in the movie who looks like a German club. Oh, Neil McDonough? Reich is oh. I don't remember the actor, but the it, the character name is like sergeant reich uh
1: the one that they're like he's our soldier yeah neil 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 mcdonough yes who is so fair it's he's like the most fair person i've ever seen without becoming like actually like an albino
0: he really looks like a german club kid yes if he looks like they were like he was busy shooting german space train spotting and they borrowed him for a few days for this Mm -hmm. um but yeah it it was a, a a fan cam or whatever of him and uh guy pierce pierce i always want to call him guy fox which is so crazy maybe it's because he's it's on the one hand it's very wrong it's like me saying i always want to call clea duvall cleopatra but (laughs) um it's but on the other hand guy fox because he is a fox
1: is he, so I was watching this and I was like, God, I really think he looks better as he's gotten older. I think some like hmm. weathering suits his face because when he's younger, he really is kind of mouse, like literally looks like a mouse to me.
0: I wouldn't say like a mouse, but I would say like a uh, a sharp um, uh, editorial model. Like yes. I, there's no way that he could play anyone who isn't either... Uh, 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 stricken by something because of how sharp his features are or a model. Like if he was just like playing I a, 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 I don't know, a, a mechanic in a movie and it, when women weren't falling all over, no one was falling all over him. Huh. I would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. He, no one um, would do this.
1: He, uh, w- when I'm extremely, when I start to get dehydrated, I get the same creases around my mouth, like almost like a Homer Simpson esque thing that yeah, he has. And, and the
0: ones like, like pointing down to your groin.
1: Well, those are called cum gutters. And yes, I also get those when I'm dehydrated, because that's how you look ripped as hell. Um Zach Zach Efron for six years was probably the most dehydrated man in Hollywood. Uh um also Guy Pierce's. There's some movies where he it is. Must have been that breath,
0: to right?
1: You gotta imagine. Yeah. These
0: like dehydrated cut yeah. dudes. And just... all
1: the all the like supplements, like the weird like liquid supplements and shit you gotta take, all that stuff really fucking is disgusting in your mouth. So like there's no way that is leaving pleasantries behind.
0: That's what she said. Uh Do, should we mm-hmm. should we just describe this? movie or yes. so hey, listen also it's... I'll say
1: so before just on the Neil McDonough thing it's funny that they would do that about Neil McDonough because he as a psychotically right wing Catholic would disapprove of someone having lust in their heart Uh he's one of those guys who like won't kiss another woman on film he's so uh, huh. insanely but like he did play a child molester a child molester and killer on Justified uh, and he's great this is another, look, another classic thing when people, oh, the left, oh, they can't, oh, their Puritanism. Some of the fucking right-wing freaks I have just absolutely loved. I mean, he's great in Band of Brothers. He's great on Justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, he struggles a little bit playing M. Bison in one of the Street Fighter movies, but I don't know that that's his fault.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot to dig your teeth into there.
1: No, you really got to have the Raul Julia level of of ham that you can mm-hmm. achieve. Um, but it's, and, uh, although I will say he's still not, uh, the most morally repugnant mer- person of the, uh, member of the cast because uh, Jeffrey Jones famously
0: oh yeah well,
1: registered sex offender for child pornography, a really Watching different this. time when that happened to him. So
0: this movie, like the first half of it, I found, you know, is boring in that it's totally weird. If they had really gone for the comedy of it, I think it would have been more fun. Um, but okay. it's kind of boring. But then the second half of it uh is just like cracker jack. So and as I was watching the second half, I was like, oh man, I really hope that um I really hope nothing happens real bad with Robert Carlisle because I would like to continue liking him because otherwise I would like this this what is it, Jeffrey Jones? Jeffrey Jones, yeah. This Jeffrey Jones performance in this uh but nope I can't because he's really bad. He's
1: um he's a bad he's- person. <laughs> Uh, my friend, uh, when I was still living in Toronto, a friend of mine came here for like meetings or something and went back. And when he came back home, he was like, I saw Jeffrey Jones in a park and he was arguing with someone on the phone. And all I could think was he's arguing about child pornography.
0: That's <laughs> what you were going to say. <laughs> he's arguing with a mom about like, just let me, I just want to buy him ice cream. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, yes, I did the, the, yeah, the, it really is one of those things where it's like, you know, it's. Movie stars, you know why they protect them. Like you know why they're waiting. Disney is waiting on Jonathan Majors for the court case to see if they can have an excuse to not have to completely reroute all their plans. Not that they're going so great. And Jeffrey, because there's to be fair,
0: Disney's defense. Who is going great?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But um, Jeffrey Jones is interesting because while he doesn't, I can't imagine he has ever contributed much in the way to the gross of a film, he is like one of those guys where you're like, you you just you just can trust he is always, he's one of those character actors where you're like, well, he'll, he's not ever, he's never been bad in anything except his real life. <laughs> yeah, his exactly, he saved it all
0: for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I, the, in the first half of this movie though, between him and David Arquette, like if you hear David Arquette and Jeffrey Jones, Jeffrey, I always wanna say Jeremy, Jeffrey. whatever, uh, are in this movie, you're like, oh boy, I bet we're in for a hootenanny. Uh This is gonna be wacky fun and then, Guy Davis, Guy Fox shows up, and Guy Davis, (laughs) whatever Guy Fox. I'm just going to say that uh, shows up and is like, I myself am in this other movie. Uh, It's very sad, the movie that I'm in. Yeah. Um, So So, there's like this weird tension.
1: (laughs) So I can do the the run through. Okay. Uh, So we start off. It just starts with Guy Pierce is at a dinner with a bunch of other officers. Uh, It is during the uh, American. American Mexican War. And he is with a bunch of officers. And um I don't you don't find out immediately but he's just recently been promoted. Um but he like has a panic attack looking down at the meat on his plate at this dinner, uh, because he starts flashing back to watching everyone die during a battle and his act of cowardice during that battle that led to incidentally led to his promotion. And then his commanding officer is like you're a coward. Get out of here, and exiles him to the California mountains.
0: So right off the bat, I'm loving the commentary on life about a white man getting failing upwards. <laughs> um, uh, it both triggered and enraged me, and also uh, made me feel vindicated. Um, for and, but so
1: I will. So the life. Op- The opening <laughs> credits. Uh, so oh right, I was gonna say so. This movie, its first director uh, was a Macedonian auteur whose first film got like an Oscar nomination. It was like a big critical hit. He got hired for this. And Fox, the studio has accused him him of skipping production meetings and being unprofessional. He's accused Fox 2000 of micromanaging him, like not letting him have the crew he wants, trying to cast every single part, no matter how small it was. Um, I imagine both of those things are probably true. Mm-hmm. And he, three three weeks into filming, like an insanely long time into filming, they fire him. They bring in this guy, Raja Gosnell, who at that point uh, had been an editor who had just directed his first movie, which was Home Alone th- 3. He later went on to direct, direct Never Been Kissed, Big Mama's House, Scooby-Doo. So the the cast revolted. Uh, they did not want him. And so the studio and then Robert Carlisle had just worked with Antonia Bird, who ended up being the director, uh, writer, Ted Griffin. And he was like, she's great. She's my friend. You can trust her. She can handle this kind of stuff. She's, a, you know, a small filmmaker. So she Robert Carlyle,
0: one of the stars of this movie and yes. uh, uh, mostly known from Once Upon a Time.
1: Yeah. Uh, the TV probably, show where
0: he plays Rubble stiltskin He
1: he probably was at his most, if not famous, his like hottest point around here because he was coming mm-hmm. off of Train Spotting and the full Monty.
0: Yeah, right? and he was already building that I'm gonna be in um, Once Upon a Time someday sort of energy. Like people could tell he's yes. like this guy's gonna play yeah. the alligator from Peter Pan, but like in human form.
1: I did not know about that credit. Um,
0: oh, yeah. yeah. He, he played multiple characters on it.
1: Yes. This was the same. So they filmed this in 97. But, like, this was right before The World Is Not Enough and Angela's Ashes. And he did uh, a few bad, like, action movies. Before then, he kind of, like, dipped back down and settled into, like, character spot again. So, like, but he had he had the cachet. He and Guy Pierce were both seen as guys who were, like, zooming up. Yeah, so he, he Scottish
0: Tim Roth.
1: Yeah, he's great. And he, so he had the cachet to be like, here, hire this lady. He called her, I guess, in a panic and was like, please come to Prague and do this.
0: And she was uh, like, she, say less. Yeah. Prague, yes. And she
1: was this like, you know, sort of like str- strident, like a uh, uh, British socialist. Uh, and she came and she made this and she had a better relationship with the studio. But she also said that like production was... It was like ridiculous, the shooting schedule and everything that they her. I didn't her. realize
0: that the production had gone so far before it got so I wonder if the the tonal shift in the two halves of this movie are a little bit like uh, the a a uh, the idol situation.
1: Yeah. And she she specifically has singled out the uh opening voiceover and the opening and ending quotes. She hates those. She thinks they put them in there. She essentially said like, it's pathetic the way studios assume everyone is stupid, Mm -hmm. as like stupid as they are. Cause like you can go to these tiny little villages and meet people who pick up garbage for a living, who are like incredibly eloquent and more intelligent than almost anyone you've ever, like it's like wrong to be like, well the rubes won't understand this movie. Mm -hmm. For me, the thing that stands out over everything else and there are a few parts where I was like, mm, the tone here, but the whooshing noise as the opening credits come on, where it's like Guy Pierce's name comes on and it goes. Yeah. And and it's like, that's like what they do in those movies that those piece of shit comedies that National Lampoon would buy and then just slap like National yeah, it's Lampoon's like, this is a classy- dad fart. classy
0: This is a classy movie. Put in boing sound. I want the words, the names to come in with, like, a guy, you know, something like that. It honestly
1: would have been, anything would have been better than just, it seems like they picked the first whooshing noise on the list of, like, whooshing sound effects.
0: Yeah, it does feel like it's one of many choices in this movie that... you know, in Sleeping Beauty, when the, the fairies are, are like one of them is like, she'll be in a pink dress. She'll be in a blue dress. She'll be in a pink dress. She'll be in a blue dress. And they like. And so the dress is like one half this, one half that. And it yes. keeps switching back. I feel like that's this movie with it's a mainstream hit. It's an arthouse flick. It's a mainstream hit. It's an arthouse flick. And those wishes are mainstream hit.
1: Yeah. And and sometimes it's like, yes, the wishes are not just mainstream hit, but also like there are sometimes moments. Those are cineplex sounds. There are sometimes moments where it's like. Uh, this is a comedy. This is a dark comedy. This is serious. And it's like mm-hmm. two of those can coexist with each other. But like, <laughs> I mean, dark and light comedy can't really coexist. But like, you can have a drama exist with either one of those. But once yeah. you set up the triangle. If you're
0: not sure, ask Tyler Perry. Yeah. Once
1: you set up the triangle, you're like, there's no need for Guy Pierce to be rolling down, to be falling down this mountain for a full two and a half minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, the whooshing noises and... Um...
0: That did lead my eye to notice that it was cast by Hopkins-Smith-Barden, which my, one of my first jobs in New York, I worked at an uh, an agency. Our offices were like sharing a space with Hopkins-Smith-Barden. And so I we would pee in the same bathroom is the important hmm. part. And one of them I, had a huge dog, huge, like one of those dogs the size of furniture that would come in and like also go into the bathroom with her because i mean when your dog's at the office with you what are you gonna do Um uh, but i it made me like them i was like hmm. you're you're approachable you got a giant dog at work a lot of casting
1: places in toronto had dogs this is not what this show is about but yeah we should um uh so uh yeah well it's interesting because i have like the beat i realize i wrote like two and a half pages of kind oh, of boy. like but it's well it's a smaller notebook but just like um it's interesting because, like, I have the beats of what happens, but the story itself is pretty sparse. It's, like, pretty, like, there are the incidents, but the story itself is, like, you could sum that up pretty easily in a paragraph. Um, but it's just, like, Guy Pierce, so he arrives at this fort. He still, it takes, uh, I think IMDb said he does not say a line of dialogue for 22 minutes. And he's yeah. in every single scene.
0: Very sad. He's his, a sad guy. And not just sad,
1: but like a coward, like specifically through the whole movie, he behaves cowardly over and over again. Well, and, okay. And this is, uh, it's like, this is, especially when you, contra- especially the scenes when he's being contrasted with uh, Neil McDonough, who is explicitly brave the way a psychopath is brave, where he's just like running in with a gun, screaming, I'm going to kill you. And like, it, it's, it's the kind of performance that isn't, um, brave is not the, but like the kind of performance where you're like, I really, um, I really have a lot of respect for somebody committing to looking this kind this of pathetic. Hot. Oh. Uh, but he, he's also, his character is like kind of pathetic in the movie. Like he's, he's just kind of moping around yeah. and it's not like a quiet, like, Oh, a quiet dignity. It's like you want to yeah, grab like, him and be like, "Get it together, man!" Yeah,
0: like if he was sitting in in a green room with you, you'd be like, "Ugh, I'm gonna yes. go outside and read my notes." This guy is bringing down this whole room just sitting yeah. here.
1: Yeah. Um. But so then, uh, Robert Carlyle, they find, and you get introduced. To the it's like a small kind of like motley crew of other soldiers. There's, yeah, and they do the, the, the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the the respectable leader. There's the idiot. There's the psycho. There's the drunk. Uh, they had the two uh, indigenous characters who introduced the concept of uh, the Wendigo, uh, which mm-hmm. we can talk about.
0: I uh, will also say, I was very glad that uh, with the ki- all the killing, the different types of killing, you know, war flashbacks, cannibalism, all of it, mm-hmm. that they were killing each other. It wasn't just a bunch of Native American slaughter, because yes. I was like, that would have been, that would have been... Uh, just the only thing that I would have, that the whole bummer of the movie would have been yes. that. You know what I mean? Um,
1: yes. And it's, you know, they're the two characters. One of them makes it out alive. Uh, the other one does not. I was like, that's not bad ratio. Um, but- uh, uh, It's, you
0: know, b- better than the entire uh, <laughs> population got. Yeah.
1: Yes. I'll also say when David Arquette showed up, I was like, oh, fuck. Because I am so used to being like, I like David Arquette the guy. I have a lot of appreciate. There's this documentary about um called David Arquette. I think David Arquette can't die and it's about him trying to redeem himself as a professional wrestler. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And it's a great documentary and you learn about this guy and you're like, "Oh, his life, he grew up in a cult and it like mm-hmm. really fucked him up insanely mm-hmm. badly and then it's like you know, he was like a member of Hot Young Hollywood, but mm-hmm. he flamed out fairly quickly and he is in some parts he's insanely annoying in some movies especially later like the midpoint of his career he's just in these comedies that are so broad and I was so prepared for him to be annoying one he had almost nothing he was barely in the movie Uh, he was just played like kind of like the idiot and three Jeremy Davies annoyed the living shit out of me in this movie I was stunned that one of my favorite actors gave one of the most annoying performances I've seen okay. in a long time okay which one is he He's the guy with the curly hair. Oh yes, who is, very annoying. All reedy um, and.
0: Uh, but uh, uh, David Arquette, mm-hmm. uh, you know he's very into marionettes. No. Yeah, but that Roland, makes a
1: ton of sense. He's a really uh, uh, weird guy.
0: He's a really weird guy. He had he part owns a bar that used to like have his marionettes on display. Anyway, he did drop the mic um, when I was working there, and just a lovely guy. Yeah.
1: He. He's. I imagine he's very difficult in like some personal situations because the way people talk about him in this documentary, even like, I think Courtney Cox even says it's essentially like he's still like a child. His his upbra- his development was stu- stunted by his upbringing, so he can still be like extremely childish. But people like that are often very nice and very. Yeah, like, I will
0: say I, I get the feeling that the whole Arquette family, like I, this is purely just a vibe from far away. Besides mm-hmm. that one time working with David Arquette, I, I haven't worked with them. Um, but they all seem like n- nice, smart, interesting people who have. Had to endure a lot of pain, um, which I think either makes you hard and angry, or very empathetic, or sometimes both, all yes. mixed up. Uh, um,
1: pa- Patricia Arquette uh, tr- tried to um, uh, uh, was uh, a big proponent of recalling uh, George Gascon, uh, and so I hate Patricia Arquette now.
0: Oh, I don't know who that is. He is the, he's. She the... also got in trouble for a very poorly worded um, t- t- a statement about women when she won in a oh, yes. word, but for... She's just that, like insanely
1: privileged. So it's like with yeah. George, George Gascon is L.A.'s DA and people were trying to, it's like, right. The conservatives were trying to get him recalled because they said he was too soft on crime because he was like, you know, wanted to reform bail. And there were certain, uh, there were certain charges he didn't want to, or certain things he, he was just like, I'm just not going to prosecute these as this thing because it's, we're sending, in- he's a reformist and they hate that, but he wasn't, the entire not even world- that reformer. Like it's entire like Larry world, Krasner.
0: our species as human beings, besides you and me, um, <laughs> are so obsessed with vengeance as a way of uh, 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 of building safety, and that like does not work. Dude, yes. It does not work. And- that vengeance is not defense. So if you're like, wow, crimes on the rise being like well we need we need more punishment after people do crimes like that's not it that's not what's happening yes. that will not prevent anything uh, if 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 your issue is i want more punishment i'm okay with where crime is at no i don't care either way but i really want more punishment in my community then that's a great way of doing it
1: i mean the lessons throughout history is you cannot kill people into liking you it's never well, worked and you, for you also
0: can't kill them into not hurting you like whether or not they hurt you has nothing to do with whether or not they're they're scared that you're gonna kill unless well I mean it does increase their chances of hurting you if they're scared that you're gonna kill them like that's the thing the whole like this is defense I'm like it's it's simply not defense I'm not saying that it's not some find a different reason why it's justifiable I don't you know I, I it's it's a very tricky thing to talk about uh but it is not defense. Yeah, it, 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 punishing someone after the fact—it's it does not defend you from something that has already happened.
1: Yeah, I uh, yeah Um and the, this um, and related to that, I have to say, um, the new translation of Old Boy. I went and saw it when they re-released it in theaters. A couple Everything ago. comes
0: back to Old Boy with you.
1: The new translation. Well, it is a movie entirely <laughs> about how vengeance simply does not work for anybody. Um, but it uh, the new translation is incredible, and if you were ever on the fence about the movie or anything, you should watch Neon's new translation because it, it takes it from a translation where you understand what is happening to it's so well written. You can tell who is speaking through the translation. Like they translate it and give people character. Um, oh yeah. This, so the right. The David Arquette thing, the motley crew of soldiers, Robert Carlyle shows up and uh, uh, they find him. He's half starved and frozen um, also, I don't know if you noticed when they're warming him up and he's naked, you can see his smallpox vaccine scar on his shoulder, huh. which is what that like circular indent is uh-huh. baby boomers have on their arm. That's the smallpox yeah. vaccine.
0: Yeah, I um, wasn't checking him out that hard, but tell TikTok they're uh, going to be interested. Take <laughs> that's, a look. That's how close they're watching it also, Will.
1: So that's that's one anachronism. Uh, there's another anachronism. And that one is just look, it's fine. Who cares? You could just say, oh, he got grazed by a bullet, whatever.
0: Oh, the um, other, are you, is the other one when he was talking about starving and they were all like, why didn't you just go to IHOP? It's almost everywhere. Every place has an IHOP.
1: And he, yes, and yes. And then he was like, I'm really more of a Waffle House guy. And they yeah, were like, and then they all look, go, man, oh! beggars. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: they were like, look, beggars cannot be choosers. And yeah, because they like, still think he's a beggar at that point yes. know, spo- no spoilers but this is going to be full of spoilers we just haven't really gotten to them in a major yes, way yet it's, it's, but so forget it, any kind of expectations of no spoilers yeah. go Im- watch import- the movie if you want to watch it without movie without important context
1: for this film is that it it did um it, it did it is cross-promotional uh the ihop did like a big um a promotional thing with like a wendigo as its mascot so yeah that's, yeah and this like, movie is entirely financed the whole, the whole by like IHOP.
0: like wendigo to ihop all the yes. time that yes. was there. That's where yes. that came from.
1: Uh yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pokemon go to the IHOP. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he um they go, he tells them what happened. Okay, he now can... I
0: do want to when to go to the bowls <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> t-shirt. Can uh, we make
1: those? <laughs> uh I think that's culturally insensitive. Um oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we maybe can
0: maybe we can suggest someone else does. So
1: he says uh he goes, he admits I only survived because we're stuck in this cave, me and the party of party of five I was with, uh, Jason London. That's what happened to his career. He yeah, got yeah.
0: You know, he followed uh, me for a while. Actually, it might have been Jeremy. I, whatever. Um, and he got like, a lot of late night responses. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Um, uh, one of my favorite things at peak era of Twitter were like younger women in this business would be like, this this older guy who's quite successful DM'd me at one in the morning to tell me he's a real fan of mine. And I'm yeah. like, well, it could be true. He is, I'm sure he is a fan of yours, but also there's a reason it came at 1 a.m. Um, uh, but and then they get divorced just, a month later.
0: Yeah, it wasn't just DMs. It was also... Uh, uh, likes, comments, replies, all of that. It's like, oh, you guys were busy all day. I guess you were just working then. And now you can catch up with your feeds and respond to all of us women.
1: (laughs) Jeremy London is reply guy. Fucking whips ass. God bless him. Um, uh, So he confesses that they started eating the dead. They ate one of the dead guys and then they became so consumed with a hunger for human flesh. Two other guy, another guy in the group killed somebody else. They started eating him. And then he fled because it was just the leader and his wife left and he ran away in cowardice. And that was how he ended up at this fort. And so the leader of the fort is like, we have to go find these people. It's our duty to go find them and see if this guy's wife is alive or if he's eaten her.
0: By the way, this story and the exact way that they laid out that he he laid out the order in which they ate things Mm -hmm. um, is the same as uh, so I grew up working. I think, you know, my parents made a lot of movies educational films for the jamestown settlement the jamestown foundation and like one of those it's a reenactment village like you go and you're like oh this is how the the settlers lived and this is how the native Americans making
1: films about american history disgusting Uh, it
0: it was very day job stuff it was (laughs) not um but so that meant i had to hang out there a lot and uh, we also you know growing up in virginia you'd go there for um field trips and all that stuff so when i was a kid the field trips were just dirt boring they were so boring and like unless you're interested in uh, seeing how people i mean they weren't even making candles yet it was like seeing how people stack wooden bowls mm-hmm. in dirt mm-hmm. it's not really interesting for kids and then by the time i was um in my 20s and i helped i went back and helped him with another film he was the the, the historians there were like oh yeah we should, we're putting in something about the starving time and i'm like, what, What was the starving time? And they're like, oh, that was this one time, um, this, this, I can't remember how long it was now, if it was just one winter or actually a couple of years where it was, it was very barren and cold and it was, they were, everybody was starving. And it was the same order of like horses, Mm -hmm. uh, dug up body, horses, belts, dug up bodies. And then they were like, yeah. And then luckily it ended. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) I think we're missing a step mm. in there. And they're like, I mean, there's no reports. There's no evidence that they ever ate a live person. Oh, maybe and I in was
1: Virginia.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> well, but also these were the same people who before had been like, no, that didn't happen. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. So the closest they could get to being honest about it. But even that, I was like, you fools. If you told kids this, if a bunch of 11-year-olds got to know that like, oh yeah, they were starving and they dug up bodies and ate them mm-hmm. and ate horses and probably each other, they would have been like, Whoa! And never forgotten it yeah. ever, but instead it was just an incredibly boring field trip.
1: Um. So. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, the Ted Griffin. Uh. He said, "This is this. Um. He. The. He came up with. Uh. He started thinking about the script. Uh. It was inspired by. Uh. The Donner Party and Alfred Packer. Probably the two most famous...
0: exactly the story of Alfred Packer, by the way.
1: Yeah, very close uh, to Alfred Packer, especially. Um, Ted Griffin also wrote Ocean's Eleven, as well as a classic uh, comedy, like uh, movie reference that you do as a joke, Must Love Dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Must Love Dogs up there with We Bought a Zoo is the kind of thing you can say and people will just laugh. Uh, And he also, with Sean Ryan, was a co-creator of Terriers... Uh, yes, another great that. Cult underappreciated hit. Yeah, uh, and what did you see?
0: I know, I just I noticed that I never oh, watched oh, yeah. Terriers, uh, but I heard it was great. Jamie Denbo was in it. It's... Who, you know, Jamie Denbo? No. Uh she well now she's a writer for Grey's Anatomy, but she's a, a UCB comedian. She's done all kinds of different, different projects, and you know, a acting and for, things, writing and things, producing a writer things for
1: Grey's Anatomy.
0: Well, I mean, just at Still this point, kicking. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> oh, that Grey's Anatomy is? I know, right? It's in season like 90.
1: Um, Yeah, really kicking ER's ass. And ER ran for an almost irresponsible length of time. Um, so they, they're going through the woods uh, during camp at night. Uh, Jeremy Davies has, oh, he falls down a mountain. And for me, one of the instances of how, look, I don't want to defame, I'm not, this is not me. I don't know. It's, Jeremy Davies, f- trips, kind of stumbles and falls backwards down a cliff and just injures himself. But the shots of him rolling down the cliff, there's some weird edits in this that just feel like they were missing 12. Like, yeah, can like, just, like oh. just missing two seconds of a two second shot or two, like, just like the briefest thing to make the transition not be so much like, mm-hmm. and when he's rolling down the mountain, it is so seamed. That's the opposite of seamless, right? Seamed. Mm-hmm. And you can just see it's not smooth at all. It's I, j- I also just recently rewatched uh, Fury Road again. And that is an example of everything in that is so seamless. And like, just a guy who knows how to, knows how, is clearly cutting that shit together in his mind and his storyboard in mm-hmm. it. And here it just seems like they're like, well, he'll roll down the hill. And then they kind of got there and didn't really know how to do it safely. Um, and also- Also well, he had
0: to get injured in this role, so. Yeah,
1: and it, Yes, and it makes it th- the music, the score is kind of funny. Also, the score done by Damon Alburn from Blur Overall, and Michael this, Nyman.
0: This score was not is not only great, but it made yeah. me just miss '90s scores in general. There were there were so many um, unexpected choices being made in movie scoring. then. Yeah. like, I mean, it's not it's not an era for your iconic. John Williams scores, except for the ones that he did do. Um, but it, there are lots of films like that, like uh, True Romance is always yeah. one that comes to mind with Hans Zimmer's like weird tinkly um, uh, fairy tale music over <laughs> crazy hyper-violence.
1: Yeah, and Damon Albarn used a lot of, I guess there's a lot of looping uh, mm-hmm. in it. Um, but uh, this, although this is, there are a couple, this is like a scene where too, I remember the music being a little too like jangly and kind of like, ha ha, he's falling down. In the way where I'm like, this feels too jokey as compared to a thing in a second. And, and Jeremy Davies tries to, or uh, uh, Robert Carlyle uh, licks Jeremy Davies, licks his mm-hmm. wound while they're all camping, and he's like, I couldn't help it, you know, I couldn't help myself. And so th- he's like, restrain me, restrain me, don't kill me or anything, just restrain me and make sure I don't do it again. And so then they're pulling him towards the cave. The next day, he's oh yeah, because him. he's
0: already said when they ate people, it gave him sort of a. Um, uh, it made him feel powerful and yes. alive yeah and our guy guy has checked in with him and been like, hey when you said powerful and alive did you mean it made you feel like superhuman and cool and he's like why are you asking and he's like uh nothing never mind I didn't ask anything and we already know that our guy guy has had uh blood falling into his mouth oh. um from his fallen comrades so yes. we see we see some um you know, as they say, uh, uh, cannibal, uh, knows cannibal, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. He said, I guess if it's, yeah. Uh, whatever metaphor you want to slip in there, Uh, uh, he's experimented with it.
0: Cannibal recognize cannibal. That's that's Um, what I should have said. And so they get to the (laughs) cave. Take it out, take it out, Aristotle.
1: Uh, one guy is too drunk to go with them and David Arquette and, uh, the indigenous woman, uh,
0: we yeah, the sister. They've, been... they've they've gone yeah, off Martha, on an Sheila, errand.
1: Sheila Sheila Tausi I think is her. Sheila Tousi, Sheila Tousy. Uh They go to get help, or no? They go and
0: do something. They go on an errand. They're yeah, they're, they're like yeah, they're they're restocking their supplies.
1: And so the rest of them go to the uh go to the cave. Neil McDonough and Guy Pierce explore, and then Robert Carlyle, classic example of a guy. Did you watch Hannibal?
0: No, I'm the, a little bit. And it sp- just didn't grab me.
1: It's um the it the second season is when it really gets. I mean, I love Ugh. it, so I'm biased. But then it, there's a scene in the third season during the, they end with the red dragon arc, and there's a scene in it where Richard Armitage eats the red dragon, the painting. He it's pay and he rips he stuffs paper in his mouth and is eating it, and I remember watching it and being like the level of commitment and dedication it takes to not humiliate yourself performing this scene, like to not look embarrassed, to not, like as an actor, to not, while doing it self-consciously, be like, this is so stupid, eating paper. He's, it's so menacing when he does it. And in this, Robert Carlyle is going like, (laughs) and like behaving so strangely. And you're watching and you're just like, oh, like it's, it's, it's it's just yeah. Like he starts. So he's, he's having kind
0: of a um, a Bugs Bunny style freak freakout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when Bugs Bunny would do the like uh, uh, ears up, ears out. He yeah. well,
1: He's like uh, so pumped to eat these guys. He's like coming yeah. in his pants. Yeah,
0: and one of the guys is like, uh, whoa, he's freaking out. And the other guy was like, he's freaking me out. Yeah, and I was like, um, <laughs> fair,
1: also, fair. I love their journey to the cave. K- like, it's like the scenes of where they're just like walking through the woods in these like shitty clothes Mm -hmm. and looking at it. I was like, I guess that how was, how it was, wasn't it? You were just in a single piece of fabric coat. And you're just like, God, we've been walking through the woods for a while.
0: I liked them standing in the, in a stream at one point, like, Oh, it's so pretty.
1: (laughs) Uh, So he kills uh, the, everybody who didn't go into the cave, Robert Carlyle does. Uh, And then Neil McDonough and Guy Pierce come out of the cave. Neil McDonough, uh, is screaming at Guy Pierce for being a coward and screaming at Robert Carlisle that he's going to kill him. Cause Robert, Oh, Robert Carlisle chases Jeremy Davies through the woods. And this is a part where it is playing like jingly, f- like, like, like the kind of fiddle music where you hear it and you want to be like, Oh, he'll,
0: he'll, he'll. Yeah. Y- yes Yeah.
1: But like, um, it's, that's a case where as opposed to the falling down the cliff, that's a case where I'm like, oh well, this is funny. This is like funny in like a dark. This, this to me, that to me hits the right level of like this guy is chasing this guy to kill him brutally and then eat him. And the music is like a, a like a, a, a Burt Reynolds chase. It's like a chase scene in a Burt Reynolds Dom DeLuise movie. Yeah, and that's a case where I'm like this. These two things are working very well together.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. For me, it was a little like, What what is the tone here? <laughs> Dude,
1: so strange. Um, and the reason I thought it worked is because there's a brief moment where when it cuts back to Neil McDonough and Guy Pierce, when it cuts to them looking for them, the music stops playing for a few beats. And that's when I'm like, okay, I like, I understand the, the uh, this joke is working for me because it's a sort of acknowledgement of it. Um, but then, uh, uh, he uh, Robert Carlyle kills Jeremy Davies. He kills Neil McDonough, who uh, falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I laughed. He just gets hit with a knife and just goes like, Ugh! and just falls backwards off this cliff. I and mean, then Robert Carlyle is like taunting Guy Pierce, right?
0: Yeah. Well, Guy He's, Pierce, um, uh, yeah, shoots him and yes
1: but yeah so he gets up and that's when he explains what really happened right he explains how he like rejuvenated himself how like uh, it's, it, there's like a healing factor is or is that no that's later no, that's, that's later, later that's later fall.
0: yeah yes. yeah so, so basically
1: guy pierce, out jumps off the cliff. Yeah. guy pierce jumps off the cliff to get away from him uh he falls down the cliff and he that is, you see him falling down the cliff, then falling down a tree, then falling down another cliff. It's like two and a half minutes long, and that's a part where I was like, this movie's an hour and 40 minutes. They didn't need to pad it out. If this is supposed to be like funny, it's already come after the long, like fiddle music chase. It, it's, it, that's one of the things where I was like, this isn't working for me as much. Uh, yeah. But he, he falls where Neil Mc, uh, He falls. Uh, onto Neil McDonough's dead, believed to be dead body, and then Neil McDonough starts trying to strangle him to death, and they fall more, or no, they fall more. Then Neil McDonough tries to strangle I mean, him to death, and he y- Neil McDonough y- y- just dies.
0: You know, nobody, nobody's coming here for a blow by blow. Okay, um, right. I think we can fair. We can say yes. They, they all go out. Nobody comes back.
1: Nobody comes back, and Guy Pierce eats Neil McDonough, some of him, to stay alive, and it also his leg is very badly broken, but it rejuvenates him enough that he can limp back to the fort.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, and he does drag him into the woods, just laughing maniacally mm-hmm. in a way that makes you want him to get all of the Oscars yeah. for everything.
1: Uh, and he uh, he makes it back to the fort. Uh, the f- the leader who banished him there, the like general, whoever is like,
0: oh, or well, Guy.
1: Yes, Guy Pierce makes it back to the fort. The colonel is or the general is like, well, the fort still needs a new colonel. Nobody believes Guy Pierce about what happened. Robert Carlyle shows up as Colonel Ives. Well, no, no,
0: no, no. We gotta tell this different.
1: What wait, what am I what am I saying? So, skipping so over here?
0: he he comes back to the fort. Um, he's he's injured. Nobody believes the story. He's like, We got attacked by Calhoun, the weirdo who just showed up out of nowhere, and they're like, Well, we gotta find somebody else. Oh, we have a new, we have a new um a uh, 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 colonel who's going to come in. Oh, and We're there's like, no trace and, and, of what happened.
1: At, they go to the caves. They tell him, we went to the caves. Yeah, nothing's there. We, no bodies. D- yeah, we, not think even the just, original party. Not even they, the original Yeah,
0: Donner they think party. he's at best lost his mind. Yes. Um, and, and they try to so,
1: convince him, like, you can change your statement and no one will be mad. And he's like, no, this yeah, happened.
0: And he's clearly traumatized. And so he's like sort of cowering there. In- and they're like, oh, yeah, we got a new colonel to run the place. Um, colonel Ives, who is the guy that Calhoun told them about. And he walks in, turns around, and it's Calhoun. It's Robert Carlyle. And our guy. this is the moment. You're right. That demanded the drama. This moment, I would say, is the scariest moment in this movie. You feel all, all of that, like, low-key acting that Guy has... guy Guy sparks whatever um has been doing the whole time all that low-key acting is like was like attention build to this where we all see the scariest thing possible happen that everyone like if everyone thinks you're insane and the scariest person you've ever seen has just been put in charge of you and everyone believes him and doesn't believe you and you know he's going to kill everybody and then guy pierce just Um, faints No, he like cowers, shaking in the corner. And they're like, like, what's going on? You're (laughs) being super weird right now. And he's like, that's him, that's him. And they're like, (laughs) whatever. And Robert Carla is like, oh, wow. It seems really weird the way you're acting. Um, it's, and this he's all cleaned is,
1: up now. He's got then, like the little, he's got the like, yes. the like 1800s, uh, soldier devil yeah, beard he's, with like he's, the point and the mustache.
0: Yeah. He's army daddy now. But the thing, the thing that I find really cool about this is that the scariest moment in this movie, which is very effectively scary, um, which I hope you've already experienced because it will never be that scary for you now. If you've heard about it first from me telling you this. So <laughs> don't listen to these kinds of podcasts before you watch the movie is the important life lesson you've always, just gotten. I don't but think you can moment, ever complain wait, about spoilers. But I haven't, I haven't like haven't made this. my point. Okay. The, the, the cool thing about this is that this super scary traumatizing moment, like, ah, it's not gore. It's not a terrifying moment or a terrifying image. It's not like a monster. It's pure storytelling. This scariness comes from pure storytelling that happens so infrequently. Uh, especially now, um, but ever in horror movies, you know, it's usually bells and whistles, jump scares. But this was just, oh, we've been fucking with you from the beginning, <laughs> just for this moment. Uh, anyway. Yeah. And, Sorry.
1: <laughs> and uh, no, the the drama was good for that moment. Um, and then uh, Guy Pierce, he has like a kind of fantasy quasi dream about eating David Arc, killing and eating David Arcat.
0: Um, yeah, because he's had a second serving people blood yes. from this fight that he had with uh club kid. Yeah. So he, yeah, and he's survival. in so much pain. He knows that if he eats somebody, he's not, he's not going to be in as much yeah, pain. Yes. So, um,
1: so he is, has a one-on-one with uh, Robert Carlyle who tells him that he was dying of tuberculosis. And then he met like a trapper, I think on the road, the trapper told him the story of the Wendigo. And so Robert Carlyle was like, let's see if that's true and immediately killed and ate the man and it completely healed him. And so that's just what he's been doing since that happened. And this
0: conversation that you're talking about is a real um, uh, Michigan J frog moment where he has just been destroying um, guy even more all over the, the he's like, this guy's crazy no evidence of anything i don't know what he's talking about probably we and should he's, kill him whatever well, and, he's and doing then the gets thing. him alone is like yeah yeah i did everything you said and even more well he, here's the details he's
1: really doing it more the way to make someone seem really crazy by being totally reasonable like when guy pierce is like yeah. he'll have a scarf look he'll have a, a wound from where i shot him and robert carlyle and he's basically
0: like well buy me dinner first i'll he, yeah, oh, sl- take my shirt off. very
1: slowly like well okay like and you seem like He's almost like taunting Guy Pierce as if like, ooh, he's gonna have the wound, and then he reveals it.
0: Is he taunting or is he flirting? I, <laughs> they're the
1: same thing. Um,
0: oh boy! They're
1: the same thing when you're. A oh
0: boy! boy. Uh,
1: and uh, all the horses get killed. Uh, David Arquette gets killed. Uh, Guy Pierce is arrested for killing David Arquette, uh, and then they send Martha on another errand. This time to go get the army. To bring Guy Pierce in for trial. Yeah,
0: the writing's on the wall. We know exactly yeah. what, like, uh, Robert Carlyle does not need to tell us what his plan is. We but, see what is going to be happening. There could be no surprises at this point. Or could but, there?
1: And the reason they arrest Guy Pierce is that he was talking to... Oh,
0: yeah, because uh, everybody talking thinks to he Robert did Carlyle,
1: Well, but he was uh, talking to Robert Carlyle when David Arquette was murdered. So when he says, he, it's like... Uh, his alibi, Robert Carlisle does not provide him with the alibi that would prove that he did not kill David Arquette. Because Guy Pierce later yeah. says, like, how did you do it? And yes, it turns out Jeffrey Jones is back. Ta-da! In cannibaled form.
0: Yeah, and he's a, he's a real middle management, both as a, he was a middle management, like, army guy, and now he's a middle management cannibal vampire, where he's like you know, time to make the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. We got to do what we got. Look, I don't like this. It's, but we got to do it.
1: Yeah, he does a good job of portraying a guy who is not, like Robert Carlyle is so sold on being a uh, a cannibal. Like he Yeah, is,
0: he's, he's fully on the vampire end of the cannibal vampire yes. spectrum.
1: And they want to use the fort that they've taken over. They want to use it to eat pa- any passersby who stop for the night. Anyone yeah, who they they're think like, won't gonna, be looked for, they plan to eat.
0: Yeah. They're like, there's going to be settlers coming out. There's going to be, this is, Westward Expansion yeah. was made for eating people. We are in a prime location.
1: And, um, but Jeffrey Jones is like less, like you're saying, he's like, from the start, less sold on the whole yeah. deal. Um, and.
0: Because uh, he's not going to, he knows he's not going to be King Vampire. Yeah. Um, he's gonna be just the cleanup guy
1: and uh so he frees guy Pierce uh under the condition that guy Pierce promises to kill him and there's that great shot where guy Pierce slits his throat and it just shows the window and it's Robert Carlyle is walking towards the building they're in and can clearly see what's going on and you get to watch him as the blood sprays across the window mm-hmm. um you get to like watch yeah, and his then rash. the hand yeah.
0: goes down as it gets all steamy and you're like there are fucking in that yeah, car. The
1: blood sex. What,
0: I, uh, I'm mixing things up.
1: And then it's, they, um, and then it's just kind of like the final showdown where they have like a long, a long fight scene, which again, I appreciate. But again, I think, because the original plan for the ending is that they were going to be fighting on the roofs of the buildings while the buildings were burning. And mm. I'm sure they were immediately like, there is no fucking way we can mm-hmm. shoot this. So then Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle were just like, well, let's just beat the shit out of each other as the ending. Um, yes, it was made up by them. And I like that idea better. Well, it just,
0: it's just like in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the like when when he, he's supposed to do the whip thing. So they were like supposed to do the fire thing. And they were like, can we just shit our pants yes. instead?
1: Yeah, um, and they yeah they really do. But it, the, my only issue is it's it could have again. It's another thing where I'm like, I wish it had like tight. I wish there was somebody there, or they'd had the money or the time or whatever it was to like block it and shoot it more tightly. Because again, disagree. I find,
0: loved it. Loved uh, it.
1: Oh, oh also there's a shot where so they feed. They also uh, Guy Pierce. They mortally wound him. Jeffrey Jones and Robert Carlyle, and they go, you can sit there and die, or you can eat this stew we made. Oh out yeah, of the they last just keep
0: repeating. Uh, what is it? Die or eat? Yes. Eat or die, eat or die.
1: Um, and uh, so Guy Pierce finally does eat some of this stew uh, to recover. And Robert Carlyle is like, "Oh, that's when 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 he's dying and he eats the stew." And then there's just this odd cut. It just cuts straight to his face, and he's now healthy in its profile, and it's profiling. He's looking forward. And that was another spot where I'm like, it just even a fade like something that's such a I found it so jarring. Um, But yeah, so they uh, beat the hell out of each other. They mortally wound each other. The way Guy Pierce finishes it is really good, where he's been, like, stabbed, but he manages to push Robert Carlyle across the room they're in, then trips him, so they both fall down onto a giant bear trap, and then he pushes Robert Carlyle down, and the bear trap slams down on both of them. Uh, Yeah,
0: halfway through this fight, I was like, oh... He knows he has to kill him and he, him die too. Like, yes. he knows he has to die. There's no way that the cavalry can show up and find all of this bloodshed and Guy Pierce still alive and have everybody be like, So what's the story? We trust you. Yes. <laughs> like, and also, he's to, essentially to kill him to death. He's he just also, got to murder to death. He's also being
1: turned. Like, he's he's going to have this taste. Yeah, probably forever now. Like, you know, who knows what the actual specifics are if you like die, if you don't eat soon enough or whatever. But have you seen Midnight Mass? Yeah. Uh, so spoiler for Midnight Mass. I would think of Guy Pearce's he's more of the uh, Zach Guilford style of vampire where he is like, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live like this. I'm absolutely going to kill myself to make a point or something here. But uh, and Robert, as Carly-
0: we've all thought about doing before.
1: And I like at the end, at the end, I expected as they're both lying, they're dying. I expected it a thing where Robert Carlyle was going to be just encouraging him to eat him, Mm -hmm. uh, to be like, you know, you want to, you know, but I like, I think it's so much better that Robert Carlyle is like, if you die first, I will eat you. Like you (laughs) must know, I will eat you if you die first and I will live. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, but do you have the guts to eat me, you little bitch. And uh Robert Carlyle then dies and uh as like the cavalry arrives and Martha opens the door, looks in, sees Guy Pierce dying, knows he's not going to eat him. He's not knows he's not he's not going to continue the curse and then closes the door and Guy Pierce dies. Um oh and, but also the general who shows up, he eats some of the stew as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we're all fucked. Yeah. Um, um, and that's the, that's the American history of it. That is the like, Oh, so that's why everything else.
1: Yeah. Cause they're it's an, o-
0: it's a stew of white supremacy. Yeah.
1: It's, it's an obvious metaphor that they're pretty explicit about. And as well, the like people who made it have also been like, yeah, it's about manifest destiny and how yeah. it's just, you like, you know, bloody your hands and then you just keep consuming for the sake of consuming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, uh, Okay. So, well, for, so I take it, I take it, you you like the film.
0: I did. And I, I liked also that, um, the rotten tomatoes score on this proves me right. My, my theory, right. Again, that, um, critics were like, it's weird. And, uh, moviegoers were like, we liked it a lot more than you. Um, because again, if you're going to a horror movie because you like horror movies, you're probably going to like it more than if you're going to a horror movie and you don't like horror movies, but it's your job
1: yeah um oh fuck i forgot to look up oh i forgot to do my my due diligence your metacritic so metacritic it has like a 46 um uh and on uh, i think it's
0: like 33 and like 50 or 55 or something for um run tomatoes um because yeah yeah, it's it's uneven but it's it's got so much good in it i am a fan i think people should see this again don't see it now we've Ruined the whole thing, but uh, hopefully you have seen it. I, I think and if you forgot about it and you want to watch it again, get into it. Yeah, I do still, it. I still
1: think it's worth watching. There's um, it's so uh, and on Letterboxd it has a three point six from twenty eight thousand six hundred and eighty seven ratings. Hmm. Um, it is, it is the kind of movie that it cost like twelve million dollars. It it flopped so hard. It made like two. But it, you know, has become like a cult hit since then. And it really you have, you know, watching it, you're like, oh, of course, this is a cult movie. And of, well, but, and, and of and, course, it kind of bombed, too. Like, I'm not like, surprised it bombed. Horror
0: movies go hand in hand with horniness. And the horniness yeah. in this is a bunch of dirty men in the snow. Um, and Quote, unquote, not, eating each other. Yeah, but they're not like, uh, they're, they're you know a traditional vampire movie you would have uh you know some some fancy frilly collars probably um some sexy parties other stuff like that it's it's a barrier for entry you don't look at the poster for this and go it's going to give me what i want from a vampire movie um if if this poster you know it, it if uh, if this poster was placed near a poster for say the thing, those fans should be able to identify like oh there's going to be a lot here for me. Mm-hmm. But the vampire move vampire fans who would and do dig it, it wasn't sold to them.
1: Yeah, the I if I recall the trailer, I should watch the trailer too. But I'm pretty sure the trailer was just like ooh this is dark and violent.
0: Like oh I think the trailer for this one was. Um, it, it was one of those like, you know, like New York is the other character in this movie. Like he's a vampire, he's uh-huh. almost a vampire. They're both supposed to be yeah. not vampiring, but what are they going to do together? Yeah. Um. And then it, that it had um that like Captain hey, John she Boyd. Goes, there she goes again. Yeah.
1: Captain John Boyd has a stressful <laughs> job. Uh,
0: Fw yeah, Calhoun. coward.
1: Fw Calhoun just wants a good meal. There it she goes s- again. Yeah. <laughs> what I got, you want? Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I also a thing I like about it, and it's what you were saying about the score from the '90s, uh, and how you just don't. It's like movies aren't scored like that anymore, and I think it's a. It's like I. I think it really. It started in the 2000s, and then it's really good. It's it's, it's there is like a standardized level of filmmaking that has sanded so many rough edges off. Yeah. And it'll be like, like I, this isn't, I don't think the score in this is incompetent, but I think it's weird and in spots kind of messy, but it's also good. And that's a thing.
0: It's yeah, like, it, imperfect it seems like
1: art is good.
0: It seems like movies now just exact staying on, on score as an example of many other aspects of it. But, um, they won't you want a score to sound like a movie score yeah like that's the goal make it sound like a movie score and this is an example of a film of an era of more films where that wasn't the goal it was like make it sound different make it sound like this movie make it sound all these different ways that a score could sound um and yeah yeah i like it
1: there's a really great um there's this youtube channel it's still up but they don't they don't still make stuff, but- uh, It's every,
0: most YouTube channels.
1: Uh, that's true. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, <laughs> it was called uh, uh, Every Frame a Painting, and they mm-hmm. had an, it was like a, two editors uh, did it, and they had one about film scores and how temp soundtracks had been like the death of film scoring because directors put in the temp soundtrack and then just go, make it sound as much like that without breaking copyright violations. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, and it I think the the movie overall, I think is a little there's it's like, messy. There's spots where it's like
0: it's you like, have seen
1: Oh no.
0: You've seen Last Temptation of Christ, right? No. Oh, Will oh, Weldon. I know. What a treat for you when you watch it. You're gonna be like, this movie has been out here waiting for me to watch it my whole life. Um it's great. And the soundtrack, you know, it's 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 the Jesus story mm-hmm. plus a little extra. Mm-hmm. Um but the soundtrack to it was by, uh, I believe, Peter Gabriel. And it's super weird. It's super, like, you know, art sound stuff. And, you know, if people had not been boycotting and so mad about uh, Jesus having sex in that yeah. movie, they would have been had some room to be like, this, this sound is too artsy for me. No thanks to this music.
1: Yeah, it's like, um, there's some Johnny Greenwood, uh, like, the, the, his score for You Were Never Really Here I think it was on Blank Check. They described it as he scored it by just like throwing a bunch of empty paint cans down the stairs. (laughs) And this is the same. It's like when I read that Damon Albarn used a lot of looping in it, there uh, there are parts, some of the more menacing parts, it is just like a second and a half of like an extremely like unsettling, like unsettling sound or chord that he really just like hits you with over and over and over again. And I don't think they work together. I think they each kind of scored separate sections. He and Michael Nyman, Neiman, I'm not sure, uh, who is also a great composer. Um, but yeah, it's it's like, it, it it's like this movie has like rough edges and parts where like that probably could have been cleaned up. But then it's like, yeah, but I bet in the process of that, it also would have lost... Some of the things that people actually really like about it. I mean, like, it,
0: it's nobody... from a time. It's from a time when people made movies, and now studios make blockbusters or um, uh, Oscar bait art. But they don't make just like let's try to do stuff. They don't, except make kind of in the horror genre. Like you still have yeah. your eight twenty fours, that kind of stuff. But. Even a
1: twenty-four kind of has its thing that it does. Yeah,
0: your Blumhouse. Like, just, like, like, throwing some stuff at the wall and being like, hey, what are we making? And Let's I, do some stuff.
1: And I looked and uh, adjusted this thing's budget would be, like, around $27 million. Dollars? Oh, that's more than I said. Um, well, but that's an amount where I'm like, I, I, I don't, nobody, the only way you're getting that much is if you're, like, um, you're Jordan Peele. Going into your second and third movies from Blumhouse, who you have made so much. Like, the amount of money he made them with Get Out, it was fucking crazy. the, The amount of cash that guy has made them. And it is like, I think only a guy like that can, with that kind of cachet at the moment, can get that amount of money to make a movie as... It but isn't even, just the premise but even the, those the execution movies, of the premise.
0: But even those movies, those Jordan Peele movies, they've gotta be, well, we can make this because it because this is award worthy. Yes. We'll probably I don't think anybody in Making Ravenous was like, we're probably gonna get awards for this. We'll get prestige, we'll get invited to parties. Yeah. It, it, they just were willing to make movies back then.
1: Yeah, they just were like a I bunch think of this people will were like, good. This would be cool. <laughs> yeah, this will be good and people like to see good things. Yeah. Um, I mean, a movie like Five Nights at Freddy's makes seventy six million dollars. It's opening weekend. And you're like, I don't know that they do. I think people have gotten accustomed to just kind of going to see.
0: But also they don't. Well, I, uh, they also don't well, have like a lot you of said, options. They don't have options. But also, yeah. like you said at the beginning about um, respecting your audience and, you know, assuming they have brains, They do have brains if you challenge them to have brains, you challenge them to, to use their brains, but they don't have other options. And if like one or two options were presented right now, it would be so foreign (laughs) to the audience at large, unless there was a big push to be like, wow, check out this different thing. um, They, it would not be embraced because people wouldn't know. It would be like having serving fondue to people who did not, had never heard of fondue and were sitting there holding their forks and knives. Like Uh, What am I, they would probably like it if they knew what to do with it, but audiences Uh, now don't know what to do with stuff.
1: Yeah, I think a great, um, God, there was a Will Smith movie that he did with Margot Robbie. Wild Wild West. Uh, Yes, she played the big mechanical spider.
0: (laughs) Oh, she would have been great. Um, The one (laughs) that, the one that she, I'm trying to focus. The one that she did with, uh, where, where all of their press tour was like proof of them having an affair
1: oh i don't remember that part oh
0: boy she is a big one that people are like oh so that's who will smith Smith has been fucking for the um, past six years that apparently she, he was not with his wife that we now all know those two
1: like, yeah I, like please be normal Just have your conversations
0: normal. inside and shut the window i don't need to hear them i don't need to like you're being too loud outside i shouldn't uh, know what's going on
1: um uh Yes. Uh, But focus was a classic example of like focus is not like a great movie, but it's like perfectly good. And it's it's about con artists and it's it's it has
0: huge movie stars in it because they they think, well, people will go for that. Yes. and
1: And it's like it flopped. And it's the kind of thing where it's like that felt a little bit like one of the final nails in the coffin of just making a movie just no, you find made, a script and you just make a movie for the right amount of money they, that's like uh, they made a movie of night Long. mother
0: they made a movie of night mother a movie based on a off-broadway to broadway play about a woman in real time preparing to kill herself at the end of an evening folding laundry with her mother and they were like this should be a movie that is a different planet than where we are right now there, there was a not only did they make a movie of my dinner with andre it was it, like a a a cultural reference point that everyone could understand like uh like like you were saying with um we bought a zoo yes. people could do that with my dinner with Andre yeah,
1: that's insane um it and it, it it's like um and you know what focus actually because it had a big movie star in it it did I'm sure it was profitable um, but it wasn't it's the kind of thing too it's like just chasing like like chasing a billion dollars on every single movie. Is so crazy, and um, that's it's like,
0: why we had a summer full of strikes and are still on strike.
1: I I just wish, yeah, it's like I just wish there could just be a movie that was good, and you went and saw it, and you're like, "Oh, it's good." Yeah, that wasn't. I didn't have an issue with spending the money to go see. It. Like, I love. Um, it, it's like I I loved the uh, um, killing of the.
0: Uh, I still haven't seen it. We're not. Yeah, we're not supposed to promote these things.
1: Oh right, 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 right. Well, so as opposed to promoting, I would say it's like, but that's an example too of like, but I don't want, I don't want every, I don't want a bunch of those either. Like, I
0: Mm -hmm. just want the prestige films.
1: Yes, those those kinds of like very long, expertly made, and also like it draining. Like some of those movies are like a movie can be great, but after you watch it, you're like, God, I'm I'm really fucking tired. Like it was like a lot to to watch and sort of like process and it is like it's like a movie like focus i remember watching it and just being like god i'm so glad like it's so great that i just got to watch that movie 105 minutes long and i will probably think about it four times for the rest of my life that's a perfect amount for
0: well a movie. but the wild thing is just a normal movie even those big prestige movies those long amazing prestige movies same thing the oscar winners every year the only time I ever think about the artist is every time I think about how the best picture winners are ridiculous. Do you remember The Artist?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: That yeah. that was the best picture. Wow, how iconic! Well, we're all popping in our DVDs of The Artist all the time. No, it's if we got the only way to fix this, which I think would be the way to fix all industries. Would be to get the finance people out and get the people who actually care about the product that that industry makes, in our case, entertainment, in. And they're. I. I think we're too far gone. I, <laughs> I don't think that that's ever going to happen. Or even just. I even just would settle for. Like movies used to be made by scumbags who loved movies. Well, now and, it's made by scumbags who love money,
1: or, or or scumbags who loved money but just wanted to make some money they didn't need to make every dollar that exists it's but it and it is like mm-hmm. like, like a big part of the problem but they don't even
0: is, like movies they don't care they're not like wow i'm going to make a cool movie they don't give a fuck
1: it's literally you just it's just like shareholder number like you're just trying to show growth so it, it it it's like it doesn't so you don't benefit from being like there was that moment where i think it was little miss sunshine where it was like well they're going to use movies like little you know cost this much Made, uh probably made them a cool 30, 40 million dollars uh, after everything. Studios will use movies like this to sort of patch up the middle to compensate the huge losses while they're ch- chasing the huge gains. And, buddy, they did not even try to do that. They didn't make an attempt. And yet, it's like, you know, this, watching this movie, I, I just couldn't help but think, like, it, it, you would be shot by your boss. Like, <laughs> if you best. came in and were like, I just greenlit this movie uh fucking Zaslov would get a gun and kill you with it
0: for no, doing yeah that. you'd just be fired. There's yeah. um out of a cannon into the ocean. The best bet we have. So I've said many times, I'm sure here because every conversation I um it's it's um it's my boyfriend that I have a crush on, so I just have mentioned about the fact that fame ruins everybody. Mm-hmm. Famous people, the more famous you are the more destroyed you are like we just they say that babies like feed off of the mother when when a woman is pregnant like the baby like literally will like seep nutrients out of a woman's bones Mm -hmm. um yeah not just the umbilical cord like it feeds like no it like takes nutrients out of your body that so your body doesn't have it anymore Mm -hmm. we the public do that to famous people (laughs) and it leaves them fragmented and so it, they fill those parts in with weirdness. Sometimes it's very dark weirdness, sometimes it's kooky weirdness. I are, The best chance we have is celebrities full of kooky weirdness who are huge <laughs> stars and are like, I would like to make a, a film about an animatronic rabbit who murders people because of the Civil War. And we'll be like, that makes no sense. We're finally going someplace. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the only, the only way that... Because that Zaslov would be like, well, if Margot Robbie really wants to do that. Yeah.
1: I and suppose then, I would
0: get to have some dinners with Margot Robbie at least. Uh, and even then, they're still
1: trying to fucking cut the nuts off people who want to do that because then they can just shelve it for, like, a, a tax write-off. I mean, this has become... Industry talk,
0: but I was say... Yeah, is- but if it's if, if it's a celebrity driven at the top of yes. it, and they're appearing in it, they don't shelve it. They, yeah. If it's like people who have worked well and done good work before and produced a good thing, yes, they shelve it. I know that because they did that with my show, and I am just so close to being. A ce- I'm so far <laughs> from a celebrity. <laughs> um, and they,
1: uh, yeah, it.
0: uh But please, pirate Earth to Ned and watch it.
1: Um, I've I've heard. I think it was on. Boys, they were like, you can't stream the Drew Carey show anywhere. And I was like, you can't stream the Drew Carey show. A huge
0: wow.
1: hit. Ran forever. Wow.
0: Um, yeah, I wonder if that's just like in the disney vault for a while like it'll con like who even knows that business model of taking that. things away so they can put bring them back and yeah. wowee i
1: will say uh it was the clinton administration that made it so that uh you could both own the own the media and distribute it and that led to the destruction of the entire industry
0: uh, george clinton did that
1: yes uh yes the bomb he wanted uh, to drop was on regulation and he did it goddamn parliament all suffering for it <laughs> <Parliament>. <laughs> um uh but um, I don't even remember where we were headed. Oh wait. I do so I do have um are we is there anything else you want to say about Ravenous?
0: Well, I had one question oh, for shoot. you yes. based on it. Yeah. Um so this it started making me think about um standalone horror movies versus uh series yeah. horror movies. And so of the things that we've watched, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that was standalone but it did get remade. Oh, so um, it's been
1: made 6 times. Yeah. In so- English alone.
0: Maybe that kind of counts. Yeah, Um, And itself
1: was a, it was the second, the original, you know, there was a version that came before it too. So.
0: Yeah. Audition also, that, that was standalone. Mm -hmm. Um, And Elvira, she got to make another movie. It doesn't count. It wasn't a horror movie. Um, Yes.
1: And she was like a TV personality first too. So it was like based on existing IP.
0: But this, I'm surprised there's so much about this that I think is, just always good but especially more relevant now i think people are more interested in movies that are first of all horror movies that are about something mm-hmm. bigger which like and this is not about, about, about fucking
1: trauma thank god yeah. oh i mean it's about yeah. the trauma I mean, it's about of a nation a what trauma. We did to it, yeah. but yeah
0: um but so so i think there's interest in that and uh, in the um more critical look at our own history i think in just in general there's an interest in that so I would think that this movie should be a lot more popular today than it is. People should be interested in it and reshowing it and have a little resurgence, but there's not really. And I was thinking about the, the horror movies that that does happen to, is it because they're a part of a larger catalog, um, you know, an evil dead type situation, as opposed to a uh, cabin in the woods, I feel like has kind of disappeared. People don't really, when that came out, that was a huge deal to the, I I would say, even the mainstream, not just horror fans. Yes. And I, it's not really a thing anymore. I th- Whereas I, Scream can't get stopped. Well, I think it
1: might be a thing now. Maybe it is a situation where if something pops big at the start, it is harder for it to have col- cultural legs because maybe there's a feeling of, eh, oh, we got everything we want. But this Anita,
0: didn't pop big at the start. No.
1: And where something like Evil Dead that had a small cult following, but also the guy who directed it also made the biggest movie of all time at one point. Like once Spider-Man really truly went off, it's like, people are just gonna go back. Whereas like, nobody involved in this is like the director. She, the director kept, she sort of failed to make any of her like, sort of like left-wing dream projects. Like, oh, they always stalled out in development. And she ended up directing some, ended up, I think, primarily directing TV. She did a few more movies after this. And then, like, you know, a a Chris O'Donnell, Drew Berry more movie that failed. And so she didn't pop. I mean, Guy Pierce is not a huge star. Robert Carlyle never became a huge star. Yeah,
0: so this argument works for this, but it does sort of fall apart for Cabin in the Woods.
1: Yeah, well, I just, I think Cabin in the Woods falls into the thing of, and I don't know, I'd have to look deeper but it might be a case of if something I, I do think it might be a case of if something
0: Joss Whedon directed by Drew Goddard Goddard
1: did he write
0: it who did Joss him. Whedon mm-hmm.
1: did, oh um, so uh, it, it, it could be a thing where if something blows up huge it's like well we got all we need out of that but that doesn't count for the legacy stuff we're still making because like you know Scream is now so culturally ingrained that it's just like it feels like people will just go see it for at least three or four more installments.
0: Yeah, well, um, it, I don't know. At least The Baba Duke got its pride bump. Yeah. Um,
1: and also Cabin in the Woods could also be a thing. Oh, Cabin in the Woods wasn't even like that huge of a hit. Um, it was, but
0: it was very popular.
1: Yes. among Especially amongst the genre But That's, I mean, genre that's what fans. we were
0: just talking about, about yeah. the, the criteria of what is a hit now is it's Captain America or it's trash.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. But it also didn't even like, you know, Scream was like something like Scream is a huge hit. And some of its sequels have also been massive hits. Maybe it's just a think Cabin in the Woods maybe just lacks. Maybe you just need like an iconic thing because like the Babadook ended up getting into the zeitgeist as a meme. and.
0: But yeah, that's because the Babadook, you know, got embraced as a gay monster.
1: Yes, yes. became, like, a weird, uh, like, ironic queer icon. Just I, the random...
0: I honestly think without that, it would have disappeared also.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That, but that's what I mean, is it's, like, there's something about the Babadook that a community decided to embrace, and then it blew up huge. And sometimes the community is just horror fans. Um, it, Like, like Ghostface is such a thing.
0: Maybe it's um, horniness. Because the horniness in Cabin in the Woods is very, very manufactured. They're making yes, fun of that stuff. It's both... Yeah. Um but uh because I'm I don't know, I was just also thinking how Casper has gotten really popular again. Um and is,
1: is Casper horny?
0: For kids? Yeah. Ugh. Have you seen Casper?
1: I've not since I myself was a kid.
0: So it's Casper the cute ghost, but then at one point he gets revealed. It was like, Oh, you're a ghost, so you were a kid once. What does actual oh, right. Casper he's... look like? Right. And he's, he's... like Macaulay tiger Culkin, beat. Right? No, uh I can't remember. Devin Sawa. Yes.
1: Like I think a good example of it, maybe what you were saying about it, it kind of being kind of inexplicable. What we latch onto is, you look at like hereditary versus midsummer, which I think they made around. Let me just confirm this. Yeah, so hereditary made more money than midsummer, Hmm. but midsummer I think has had a lasting a more lasting cultural impact. And it hasn't been as long as all these as other movies we've been talking about because there was something about the, the guy in the bear suit burning a boy in a bear suit and her in all the flowers crying sure. and then laughing.
0: Yeah. But also because there was more horniness. <laughs> I am right again.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean the Duke, though, no horniness though. The Duke is no, the least horny movie uh, the, I've the, ever seen. The,
0: yes. Which is what, Left room for the queer People community to, to as a bit, it, <laughs> be like, we've noticed there. there's no sexuality here. <laughs> We're gonna play a game where we put some in it just to be kooky,
1: yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe it is. It's you just have to either it either has to have it, or you, I guess, it has to have the ability to have sexuality. It, you got it or you don't. Horror it. movies,
0: you're you've, you're either you're, you're getting us harder or you're not.
1: I mean, hereditary is so unsexual though you'd almost think there would be room for it i don't know um that's what she said uh okay yeah she could say that hypothetically okay i understand in this example how she could say
0: (laughs) that oh yeah oh yeah i'm not i'm not misfiring here Um, i'm just not popular with what i'm doing
1: so um we have been going on so long that we uh killed aristotle's uh (laughs) computer battery we used the whole thing I do have, if you have time, I have a quick kind of game. More of a okay. bit. Okay. All right. What do we got? So this is just a little thing I like to call uh, worst case casting, and so the idea here is I have three movies that have an iconic role that was played to perfection by the actor in that role, mm-hmm. and just quickly if you can, and we can just stop doing it if you don't enjoy it or you can't think of anything or whatever. Think of for you, an actor who could still be cast. Why am I blowing up again? An actor who could still be cast in that role, but would be the worst case possible. And they don't have okay. to be appropriate for the time period, but they still, still do have to be somebody who could be cast. So my example of this would be for me, Uh, So Daniel Plainsview, There Will Be Blood, I think an Mm -hmm. iconic role played to perfection by Daniel Day-Lewis. My nightmare version that I could still see being cast in that role is Benedict Cumberbatch.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be really annoying.
1: Yes. So you see... uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So my first one here Mm -hmm. is uh, uh, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in Terminator 2, specifically
0: Shelley Duvall.
1: Oh wow, okay, wow, right off the right off the <laughs> dome. Um uh and what do you think the the justification for casting Shelley Duvall would be?
0: I mean, she was already uh, a scream queen, um already an iconic mother in a horror movie. Um, you know, she, she, she can take some, uh, some, some getting knocked around. Yeah. I mean, directed
1: by James Cameron, you need somebody who's going to be willing to take, uh, some screaming and abuse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Great. Yeah.
0: I that love it. Or Amy Irving.
1: Uh, oh yeah. Uh, almost <laughs> anything. Um, oh, well I like Amy Irving. Kidding, yeah, I, was of, I was thinking of Kate Capshaw. Um, uh, I'm sure she's a very lovely person.
0: Uh, ooh, uh Nancy Cartwright. Who is who is that? From last week. Um, she was in Witches of Eastwick, um, uh, Alien, and, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
1: Okay, that's like the... Ha- I still think Shelly Duvall is more of a disaster, but that's almost like a good compromise candidate.
0: Th- yeah, both of them, I think, would not be able to hold it together and stay cool in any of the situations that Sarah Connor is required to be in.
1: So my my next one is... uh, uh, In American Pie eugene levy oh. american pie eugene levy as jim's dad
0: um jeff daniels
1: oh wow okay that's good too yeah i like that too <laughs> uh he just it, it feels like he'd just be yelling at him the whole like he would yeah he'd like the gene empathy. hackman oh my god yes although <laughs> here's the issue there i think that might actually be funny a gene hackman or a tommy Lee It'd jones be- catching their son fucking a pie that'd be too funny
0: I mean, honestly, okay, so who would actually be bad at it? Um uh Carrot Top?
1: No, no, but see, I'm saying could still be cast. That's why I added that. He, yeah, I, no, well, that's the thing. Like, but I think Jeff Daniels, I think Jeff Daniels is a good choice is, because he is a guy who at this point in his career can be cast as dads, but he has lost that earlier charm. And now you watch him in something in like the newsroom and you're like, why is this guy such a fucking prick? Like, okay, great. Um, whereas I think. Gene Hackman is too. It's too. I, I, it's so sad he's retired. And we'll never get to see his reaction to walking in on a high school student fucking a pipe. <laughs> and uh, the final one here, as Agent Gracie Hart in *Miss Congeniality*, Sandra Bullock.
0: Rhea Perlman. Wait, no. That, um... <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't know. If, I don't know if that one would pass muster. With this okay. Team. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, uh. Uh. Okay, so Sandra Bullock, iconic Sandra Bullock role. Yeah. Um, that I think is, is done to- Okay, reflection. all right. A, a Rhea Perlman adjacent. Okay. Um, Kirstie Alley.
1: Ooh, good, good. Right? Yeah.
0: And Rhea Perlman adjacent.
1: Um. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, the one I thought of was, uh, I think Sarah Jessica Parker would stink in that role. Someone I like in a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Um, That's the whole game. I just... It's just coming up it. bad
0: casting choices. Um, uh, Yeah, those are great. I think... Hopkins Smith-Barton would never make those choices. (laughs) Bring it Uh, back around.
1: I think Jeff Daniels is my favorite. That would go down as, like, historically bad casting. But I could still see happening. Um, But you would have to make Jim... It would also... well, you might also have to recast Jason Biggs too, who I think is also great in that movie because you probably need like a more goyim child maybe.
0: Well, but isn't that part of what would make it bad casting?
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, and that's, nobody would care. They just wouldn't have him wearing, um, I think he, he yeah. there are a couple scenes where he's used, they go to like Temple or something. They just cut that out. Uh, okay, great. That's the whole game. See, it was quick. It was easy. Thank
0: you. Thank you for writing the game. Um <laughs> And thank you for watching Ravenous and talking about it with me.
1: I also do that. Um, It's funny for you to thank me as if I'm like a guest or doing you a favor or something. Thank you for my doctor says I need to find something to do with my time. So I appreciate (laughs) you watching movies. I I thank you because you
0: did the extra work of uh, writing a game that I just got to play. That was nice. You know, like you should thank your DM. And then once I did that, I was like, he didn't just do that. Hey, he also did all of this. Well, it's I did, Nice for your friends to do things with you.
1: I did a much worse uh, summary job this time, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I do it better on the computer. I take better notes. Um, but uh, um,
0: I'm glad that you did it.
1: Uh, this is great for me because this is the it's the kind of thing I love to hyper focus on. Uh, looking up this <laughs> kind of stuff, so it actually plays into my uh, my neuro atypicalness. So,
0: Will, are we going to keep going?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We already. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, from the start, I was like, I'm not just doing four. That's a waste of time. It's so to just do four. It is. But it's weird. But to I didn't, be like I didn't want to, you know, I know I appreciate you want to give
0: you an out. Well, to let think... you dip your toe in Decide because you could have started and been like, I fucking hate this. I'm not only do I want to stop. I have to go back to therapy. Uh,
1: uh, Eliza, you're a dear friend and I cherish <laughs> you too much to ever do that to you. It could be taken out, but during a recording in front of a third party. I would have that conversation with you privately. (laughs) Um, uh, 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 Yes. And I think we talked about it in the first episode. I was the skeptic about coming back and doing this. But no, I've had a fun time. It's a nice use of my time. And I I do like one of my things is I like the idea of sort of having loose or more specific thematic months, but essentially doing like runs of four maybe more if it comes up but uh and next week uh what are you, what are you doing a bit with your glasses right now
0: because glasses are funny <laughs> bits next uh, we're going to be do- yeah f- spoiler i had asked him off mac Mike already i knew that he was and i suggested maybe we do a tv thing
1: yes so loosely now our plan for the next month i guess the thematic would be like a specific episode what well, eliza's going to Pick a a specific episode of television she loves and we're going to watch it. I'm going to pick a specific episode of television that I love. I might throw you a curveball and watch it. We're in talks to have a guest. We haven't discussed a potential guest, so we haven't talked to to any guests. But I think that would be fun for either the third or fourth week. And then the other week we'll figure out when it comes up.
0: So see you then.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, And uh, remember, uh, eat
0: or die. The end. The end. Hey, I'm Eliza. Uh,
1: I'm Will. Uh,
0: (laughs) Please rate and...
1: Subscribe to the podcast. Yes. Rate and review and subscribe.
0: Yeah, it helps unless you don't like us. If you don't like us, then you made a weird choice getting to this point where you're hearing us. Um, But let's just call it even and you forget about us. Don't say a word.
1: I'd I'd say you know what, but if you don't like it and you have actual thoughts, feel free to criticize. Feel free to send the email uh, because I'm pretty desensitized at this point after reading lots of reviews disparaging an independent film I was one of the stars of. I've got a pretty thick skin after that, so I I could take it.
0: But honestly, yeah, I mean that would be a much better system, especially since a podcast is something that is ongoing and in process. So if yeah, you can if you if you really want to give us a bad review. Consider making it an email first. Yeah. Um, if it's... Because it, we're still figuring... Th- you know what? Just rate and subscribe.
1: Rate, rate, review, and subscribe. Listen, <laughs> and this is... Look, I, I don't know how Eliza feels. I've certainly never been one to... You don't to, know how
0: I feel because you don't ask.
1: Um, it's true. I'm a man. <laughs> um, it. I've Look, it's... I am repulsed by the idea of ever, like, self-promoting or being like, please look at this thing. So here I am. I'm going out on a limb. I'm just <laughs> going to do it. It's my commitment to the thing um i don't even know where this is supposed to go in the episode
0: i would say probably at the end
1: okay at the end or if there's like a weird uh gap that uh, needs to be filled you can just throw this in as like a break
0: too that's what she said
1: um, I feel like that is exactly the same as the last one, right?
0: No, the last one was about her having some room for it.
1: Oh, well, okay. Um and she's got room for it as opposed to needing it desperately to fill Yeah, as her. opposed
0: to having a gap that you could throw it into. Yeah,
1: it's the difference between like I'm so horny and I could fuck tonight. Um, or
0: like, there's still room in here. Come on. Oh Jesus. <laughs>
1: uh okay. That has Hey, to be don't the end yuck of this. somebody's
0: yum. Yeah,
1: right. Sorry for king shaming people who truly literally want to get crammed okay thanks rate review and subscribe any of your preferred podcast distribution systems i didn't need that it's implied okay great
0: angry little goats we're watching movies now we kind of broke our brains so we're just watching movies now